planet Earth's a rocket wagon train upon a journey. And what if aliens don't fight an actress named Seth Gurney? We're not a bunch of geeks who live in basements, sleep on futons, but who wouldn't stream our podcast if we're calling it Space Croutons. It's an intergalactic, robot automatic, moon dust sporadic trip around the sun. It's a totally terrific, proven scientific, freaking fantastic phaser set to fun. It's Space Crew Talk. We think. Get your space suit on. It's pink. We're triple cute. On that you can rely. And once you've tossed your salad in your flying saucer, it's valid to add Space Crew for lunch. With Neil Diamond, Lucy in the sky. I love Neil Diamond, Lucy in the sky. No, not Neil Diamond. With Space Croutons. Hello, gentle listeners, to this episode of Space Croutons. I'm your host, Curdy Clammerwood, once again broadcasting live from our Van Helsing Mobile Studio. Currently, we're located in Virginia, near Humpback Bridge, a picturesque covered bridge built before the U.S. Civil War. Well, I've already enjoyed a dip in the water that flows below this historical structure, and I'm sure if these timbers could talk, there'd be interesting stories to hear. Say hello to our listeners, Sally. Welcome, listeners, to our gentle episode of Space Scrutons. Hmm, I need to look into the programming. Well, let's get right to a word from our sponsor for the day, an original thought from singer-songwriter Nevermore called Which Road? You hear echoes in the distance of the past Stories were there and things that have come at last The clear blue sky of morning is calling you to go And it's up to you to make it so Eternal thanks to never. See what I did there, Sally? For that terrific tune. Okay, then. We don't have a story scheduled for today, so Sally and I will be opening up the phones for callers. We've had some interesting guests lately, and I'd like to get your views on their stories and your take on how our show is doing. Are we entertaining you? Challenging you? Making you think? Or wonder? Maybe you've had a similar experience. Maybe you have something to add to our adventure. Nothing yet, Sally? Keep your undies untwisted, Cordy. I will inform you when a call connects. Thank you, Sally. Well, let's talk about some of our guests. Their stories have caused me to think and wonder. Remember Joe? 
The most interesting thing about Joe, it wasn't just his story, but behind his story was, this will change life as you know it. Well, when I think about the ramifications of that statement, it sends shivers through me. Hmm. Oh, and what about Clarissa? Clarissa and her talking plant, Vera. We all remember, hello, Vera. (laughs) But what about how the plant was able to put thoughts into Clarissa's mind? Spooky. And then there's Haley and her medallion, Brittany and the mood ring and the rabbit's foot. What about Susie Fresnel and the white elephant? Is it just me or is there a pattern? Curdy, we have a caller. We have Margaret from Connecticut. Hello, Margaret. Welcome to Space Croutons. Hello, Curdy. I've only begun listening to your show, but it made me want to call you to tell you what I think. Well, what do you think, Margaret? Curdy, I listened to a couple of your episodes, not sure which ones, but then I went to your website to listen to your archives. I was very interested. Your guests seemed believable. They were passionate about their stories. Some were scared. But all were people like me. And that's when it hit me. What hit you? It can't be real. It was too real. The people were too common. The objects were too ordinary. Everything was too realistic. Curdy, I don't think you have a Van Helsing. I think you're in your mama's basement. I think your gamer friends have been working on this idea for some time and nothing about it could possibly be real. It's just another scripted reality show like The Bachelor. Margaret, I assure you... You'll have to do a lot better to change my mind, Curdy. But you haven't given your listeners anything tangible, nothing concrete, nothing they can believe. You know what? Let me speak to your manager. Now, Margaret, we're still working on collecting... The caller has disconnected. That was a different kind of call, but like I was trying to tell Margaret, we're collecting data from all over, from all walks of life, and we've had some promising leads, some really promising leads that we're following up on. Curdy, we have another call. This one is from California. We have Robert on the line. Welcome, Robert, to space... What the... Robert, I'm sorry, but we're having technical difficulties here, and we'll need to reconnect later. Curdy! Curdy, it's Brittany. Open the door. Brittany? Is that really you? It's me, Curdy, and I've brought someone that you should meet. Aiden. Here, put these headphones on. Can you hear me? We're, we're on the air. Brittany, how did you find me? I didn't. Aiden did. Curdy, I'd like you to meet Aiden. Aiden, this is Curdy. You can tell him everything. Aiden, you're Aiden. What happened to you? Where did you go? How did you get back? I'm sorry. Let me slow down and remind our listeners what's transpired. Several weeks ago, we received a call from Brittany, worried about her friend Aiden, who had disappeared without a trace, baffling local law enforcement, his friends, and family. Brittany found a journal, and the last entry provided some clues as to what might have happened, but not a clue as to where Aiden was or how to rescue him. Well, I traveled to Dead Horse, Alaska to visit Brittany, and while there, went to Aiden's apartment, again searching for clues. And while I was there, took a lot of notes and photos to see if there was anything I could use to shed some light on his disappearance. Then recently, we received another call from Brittany during the show, and it was a very interesting call. 
During the call, we noticed strange interactions of objects that Brittany had in her possession when placed in close proximity to objects in Aiden's apartment. At the end of the call, we heard Brittany scream Aiden's name and then the line went dead. I'd been unable to reach her until she walked into the studio just now. Brittany, let's start with you. What happened at the end of our call? Pretty, it has been a whirlwind. A lot has happened. We really didn't know where to turn, so here we are. But let me back up. On the day of the call, you're right, there were some strange things happening, mostly with the rabbit's foot and the banana hanger. Do you remember me telling you about them? About how they would glow or get hot? Yeah, I remember. Do you remember the TV and how there was an old Western playing and a tune coming from a pocket watch? Well, as the tune was playing, the camera zoomed in on one of the gunfighters' faces, and it was Aiden. I know this sounds incredible, but as he looked into the camera, the tune stopped, and then a bright light consumed the room. I turned away, dropped the rabbit's foot, closed my eyes, and when the light had subsided, I looked back at the TV. Aiden was standing there, just as real as he is now. I don't know how he came back, but we think it had something to do with the banana hanger and the rabbit's foot. That's remarkable, Brittany. Can I ask, do you still have the banana hanger and the rabbit's foot? Yeah, we do. They're in a safe place. Wow, that's an amazing story. Aiden, can I ask you a few questions? Sure. I'm not sure I remember everything, but ask anything you want. Maybe you can help make sense of all this. Do you remember what happened the night you disappeared? Your journal entry mentions a mood ring. Good, you have my journal. Yes, I remember the mood ring and getting up from bed that night when I heard something humming from the living room. I went back to the sofa and noticed the TV was on and the mood ring was glowing. Glowing? Yes, and so was the banana hanger. I picked up the mood ring. I remember thinking it was warm, and I put it on my finger to see if it would change color. A tune was coming from the TV. I glanced up and saw an old movie of some sort, a merry-go-round with kids on it, and a tune coming from the music box on the ride. I didn't really think anything of it, and I looked back at the glowing banana hanger. And as I reached for the banana hanger, the music stopped. Just as the music stopped and my hand grabbed the banana hanger, a bright light filled the room. And the next thing I remember is waking up in a lobby of some kind. A lobby? Yeah, a big room with hallways leading in different directions. The kind of lobby you'd see in resort hotels during the 40s. Was there anyone else there in the lobby with you? Not that I could see, but... But? I could hear people, noises, coming from the hallways. Or, more specifically, from the rooms off of the hallways. What kind of noises? Conversations, people noises, even traffic noises. It was very strange, especially coming from inside a building. But I thought, there may be an exit, so I moved slowly towards the sounds. You left the lobby? Yes. I went into the first hallway. First hallway? Uh, how many were there? There were four hallways, arranged almost like the points on a compass that intersected in the lobby. Anyway, I went down one and noticed something different about the doors. What was different? There weren't any room numbers. So it wasn't really a hotel? What do you think it was? Like I said, there weren't any room numbers, but the door did have markings on it where the room numbers would normally be. Markings? What kind of markings? Raised dots. Almost like Braille, but not quite. Now I know, though. I know what they were. What were they? Constellations. Constellations? We were able to figure it out later, but listen. Aiden, tell Curdy what happened to the moving. As I walked down the hall, 
I began trying different doorknobs to see if anything opened. I reached for a door and noticed the markings. Three pronounced bumps in the door and several minor ones nearby. I now know that it represented a constellation, one that you've probably never seen. What constellation? Why wouldn't I have ever seen it? The constellation is in the southern hemisphere. It's called Fornax. It's Latin for furnace. As I touched the door, the mood ring became very hot. And then it was gone, disappeared from my finger. Did you open the door? I was unable to open the door. I ran back to the lobby, sat down, and tried to make sense of what had happened. After a while, I went into another hallway, the same sort of markings on the doors, and things started to make sense. Some of the constellations are very well known. Like? Gemini, Libra, Corona Borealis, just to name a few. I recognize the signs of the Zodiac, but there were more? How many? There are 88 globally recognized constellations. 88? Wow, I had no idea. Aiden, were there 88 doors? I'm not sure, Curdy. There were a lot of doors, but I didn't count them. What happened next? I followed some sounds down the hallway, trying doors along the way until I reached the source of the sounds. What kind of sounds were you following? They were the same type of sounds that were coming from the TV, just before I saw the flash of light and woke up in the lobby. A simple melody. When I reached the door from which it seemed the sounds were coming, I touched it, expecting it to be warm or even hot. But it wasn't. When I touched the knob, I looked up at the markings and I recognized this constellation. What was it? Lepus. The hair. Just as I recognized the constellation, I heard Brittany's voice. She screamed my name. And the next thing I knew, I was standing in my apartment again. Amazing. You touched the door with the hair constellation just as Brittany screamed your name? Aiden, that was weeks after you disappeared. How long do you think you were gone? Couldn't have been more than a couple of hours. Let's circle back a minute. You found doors that had what appeared to be constellations on them instead of room numbers. Yes, several of them Brittany and I have been able to identify. I told you about Fornax, Lepus, Libra, Gemini, and Corona Borealis, but we've also identified Octans, Norma, Scutum, Sculptor, Cetus, Crater, and Orologium. Fascinating. But that's not everything. What else, Brittany? Curdy, these doors represent something. Fornax represented the mood ring. Lepus represented the rabbit's foot. Aiden and I think that Libra represents the banana hanger. Don't you see? These objects mean something. These objects have power. We don't understand it yet, but they do. And these doors are gateways. Curdy, aren't you curious how we found you? I hadn't thought to ask that yet, but yeah, nobody knows where I broadcast from. How did you find me? I found you, Curdy. How? We've never met before. I heard your voice behind one of the doors. I heard you and Brittany and myself having a conversation. I think it was this conversation. You heard us talking. Yes, I did. That's how I knew I had to find you. How did you find me? The voices were coming from behind the Cetus door. Cetus? Sea monster. Whale. I'm at the humpback bridge. Brittany, the other constellations, is there one that could be represented by a medallion? From the ones we know about, I'd say that Scutum is pretty close. Scutum is Latin for shield. It's a pretty small constellation. What about a white elephant? Hmm. Nothing I can think of at the moment. Are you sure? 
Yes, a listener had a story about a white elephant. The figurine had a clock embedded in its middle, kind of a curio piece. A clock? Yes, a clock. Horologium. It's a clock with a pendulum and a second hand. Aiden, you're sure you saw these constellations on the doors? Yes, Curdy. Brittany is helping me remember and identify more of them as we talk, but definitely the ones we've mentioned. <sighs> okay. I think maybe we have something. Tell me one more thing. Where are the objects that you have? The rabbit's foot and the banana hanger? I think we should discuss that another time, Curdy. Aren't we almost out of time? You're right, Brittany. I have a few other things I'd like to discuss with you both before we leave the air, if that's okay. Of course. Well, answer anything. I'm sorry to interrupt, Curdy, but we have a call. Not right now, Sally. We're talking to Brittany and Aiden. Curdy, I think you need to take this call. It's from Joe. Joe? Hang on, guys. Sally, put Joe through. Joe, are you there? Curdy, I've been listening to you guys today, and there's a lot that's making sense. A lot that we should talk about. What do you mean, Joe? The objects. You're onto something. But there's more. Much more. The call is fading. Sally, do something. I'm trying. I have the... Joe. Joe. Joe! He's gone, Cordy. Sally, can you get him back? Did you get the number? We have to get... We have a caller. Put him through. Joe? Joe, are you there? I is the connection better? Joe, is that you? Cordy, listen to me. Who is this? Your voice is familiar, but... I said listen, or I'll hang up and you will never hear from me again, or from Joe. We're listening. Joe will not be talking to you anymore. I've seen to that. I want you to know that the objects do have importance, and you'll be giving me all the objects you have. Why would I- Listen, Curdy. You'll be giving me all the objects where bad things could happen, and I know that nobody wants that. As for Brittany, you must think you're pretty smart, you and Aiden, for solving this mystery, but it's just what I wanted you to do. But now that you've solved it, and once the objects are mine, your usefulness has ended, so don't push it. Yes, you know Joe, as Curdy believes. You know him better than he knows you. You see, it was easy to replace you all those years ago. <laughs> no. no! You can hear me. He can't hear you, but I know what you're thinking. And believe me, you'll never save him. Now, Curdy, get those losers out of my van now. Yes, the van is mine. I've been controlling your actions as well. Get them out of the van and start driving west. Make sure you're alone. And if anyone follows you, I will know. And make sure you have the objects. I'll contact you after I'm certain you can follow directions. As for you, Brittany, give Curdy all of the objects. Don't hold back or Joe will suffer. How do I know I can trust you? We have other ways of getting the objects. The least painful way is for you to just hand them over. What's that supposed to mean? We have the mood ring. Do you remember, Aiden? Do you remember where you lost it? How do you think we got it? When you figure that out, you'll want to give us the rest. Nikki, there must be a way to talk about this. We're finished here. You need to get on the road. Curdy, we have to help Joe. You heard her. Joe's not safe. We're not safe. All right, Brittany. Take a breath. We need to think. It's like my dad used to say. Ah, uh, uh, heck, who knows what he would have had to say about this. We'd better sign off for today. So, folks, that wraps up a unique episode of Space Croutons. Thank you for tuning in on this blockbuster day. I'm looking forward to getting your comments on our website and talking to you soon. This is Curdy Clammerwood saying keep peace in your heart until our next story time. It's Space Croutons. 
we think. Get your space suit on. It's pink. We're triple cute. On that you can rely. And once you've tossed your salad in your flying saucer, it's valid to add space croutons for lunching with Lucy in the sky. With Neil Diamond? Lucy in the sky. I love Neil Diamond. Lucy in the sky. No, not Neil Diamond. With space croutons. Space Croutons is a work of original fiction. Similarities to persons, situations, or events, real or fictional, is coincidental and unintentional. Created and written by Jerry, Jace, John, Della, and Jeff Goodson. Episode 21 story by John. Recording and production by Brittany, Nikki, Jerry, Jared, and Jeff. Original music by Jeff. Featuring the voice talents of Jenna, Jared, Brittany, Jace, Nikki, Jeff, and Sally. Entire work copyright 2020 by Jeff, John, Jerry, Della, and Jace Goodson. This has been a Good Witch Audio production.